Dude, we are going to energize the country. Stop Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order. Hello and welcome to The Debated Podcast. I'm your host, Conrad. I'm joined by my co-host, Will. Hello. And today we are joined by a special guest, Simone Hanna, who is a conservative and writer for The Mallard. So um, welcome to the podcast, Simone. Um, Thank you. So, so we'll kick things off with asking, what made you interested in politics in the first place? Um, so I was introduced to conservative politics from feminism and more of a movement against modern day feminism. Uh, so uh, myself, I valued more traditional beliefs of women in society that, and um, the movements that were happening today and sort of a need to conserve old traditional beliefs of women in the family and at work and things like that. What um, first prompted you to become interested in writing uh, political pieces? So it was always a good way to get things off my chest, really. So there were things happening within the news and things like that that would... I don't know, I felt I needed to give my opinion on. Um, And it was one that I always discussed with people and they would agree with it, but they wouldn't want to speak out about it as such. So I always felt that it was appropriate to do so. And I mean, when I first started doing it, I did get, you know, a few comments that disagreed. But I don't know, I just, I really got into thinking about things and it was a good way to express myself and to also engage other people in it as well, even if they did agree or if they did disagree to, you know, discuss and create debating topics about subjects that were important to me. Now, there seems to be more and more sort of social conservatives making a scene in the, in the young conservative movement. Um, why do you think this is? Do you think there's a, anything that sparked this in, in recent times? Well, I mean, from personal experience, I think more conservative views have been stigmatised for a while now. And because of that, a lot of people do feel the need to speak out about their views and how they feel because they feel that they've almost been, you know, shoved under the rug a bit and by degrading and stigmatising these beliefs, they feel a much stronger need to come out and speak and make sure that their voices are heard within modern day discussion because these are beliefs that are popular with people, but, you know, within mainstream news and stuff they're not always expressed in the way that they should be or they're not allowed to because they don't feel that they're appropriate if that do you think Mm. that um conservatism is changing at all do you think that the way that because of um being uh, more online perhaps than it has in the past that it's had to change the way that it's perceived by people so that it becomes more appealing to them I, I mean i wouldn't i wouldn't say that exactly that it's changed in order to become more appealing but i think you know a lot of things do change with time and you know even an ideology that builds itself on preserving things and 
you know, avoiding change unless it's completely necessary. I feel that even in Twitter and stuff, I feel, you know, the views do stay within their bounds. But, you know, I, th- I, th- I think, no, I think things have changed from being online, but I think they've mostly stayed the same with that. I don't know. And there's been quite a lot of debate between sort of liberal conservatives and social conservatives. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that there is room for both within the Conservative Party or do you think that one has to win out? And obviously you'd prefer that to be social conservatism. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a tricky one too. I mean, when I first started getting into politics and more so politics online and discussing things with bigger groups and especially people that weren't in the same echo chambers as I was and had more you know, neoliberal ideas. Um, I, think, I think there is room for both, but you know, there needs to be compromise as well. Um, so I don't think it will ever be possible to have one or the other. I think one is a lot more predominant now than the other. Um, which would be the more liberal idea that, you know, heads towards centrist politics and um, these more liberal ideas of personal freedoms and free market economics that seem to dominate the party today. Um, So I think they're definitely a lot more stronger than the social aspects of conservatism. But I think social conservatism is also more popular within you know, these areas that usually go ignored within voter bases and stuff. So I think they're both things that need to be recognised. And I think they are important in the party and to conservative politics as a whole. Uh, now, you've talked about um, social conservatives within the Conservative Party. Uh, yeah. When do you think that, or do you ever think that, the Conservatives will have another socially conservative leader? Um, I mean, at the moment, I find it quite doubtful, but I mean, I'd like to hope that one day there would be, um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't really answer that. I mean, so following on from that, um, do you think that there there doesn't seem to be a number, not obviously a massive thing, but there are people moving towards parties like the STP on the on the right as a sort of alternative socially conservative party yeah. do you think that that's a wise thing to do um i mean i'll be honest with you when i first heard about the um sdp i was uh, i was i was attracted to it because it was a part it was a small party of people that on a social basis valued the same things i did but with these small parties, it's very, very, very doubtful that they will get anywhere. So I think it is important to stay within the Conservative Party if you are there already and, you know, almost fix what's already there. Because it's unfortunately, it's unlikely that the two party system will ever break. And because of that, you need to pick a party, really, of one of the two or, you know, if not, then you'll get things like, well, you'll get stuck with a Labour government, which most people that move to the SDP would not like at all. So, but that being said, a lot of SDP members are new Labour groups. So, I mean, even in that sense, 
I think the people in the SDP should stay within the Labour Party and try and fix what's already there instead of creating a new party that almost wastes votes and has a very small chance of ever gaining seats anywhere. What do you think uh, is the mood uh, around the world in regards to conservatism? Because, of course, we've seen um, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, gain a great deal of support, um, not just in America, but around the world. And we've seen a, 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 perhaps a, maybe not a push against conservatism, but a push against some of the ideals that um, social conservatives have. Do you th- worry at all about the, the standing of um, conservatism and in particular social conservatism around the world? Well, I mean, I think conservatism is important in a lot of western areas of society i feel like progressive politics is i think there are places where you know change is necessary and with progressive thinking you wonder what's unjust and unfair and there are a lot of places where you know things do need updates and things need to be changed in order to benefit people and the collective and there are places for social conservatives everywhere but also at the same time not going to completely you know go against you know movements of people wanting to do better for the world and you know create growth where it's necessary to do so i mean um, so talking about conservatism across the world one sort of area where sort of we've seen rising conservatism in strong stronger conservative governments in recent years is Eastern Europe, places like Poland and Hungary. Do you think there are things that can be learnt from those countries in the UK? Um, yeah, I think, I think most definitely. I think, it's, I think it's Hungary that has quite strong marriage laws. I might be wrong. Um, I think do, yeah. Yeah, but I always, I always like the idea of that. And, you know, institutions like the family are things that we should protect as a country because they are good for society and the collective well-being of society too. So I think, you know, laws that maintain, you know, institutions that are important to our country should be considered as, you know, necessary steps to take within the law and things the government should do to benefit our society and the people that live in it. Uh, Speaking of marriage, what are your thoughts on the passing of no-fault divorce into UK law? Um, I was actually quite annoyed when I saw that it was legislated, especially under a so-called Conservative government. I mean, I, I do take issue with this, and I think today especially, too many people see marriage as such a... Is such a casual thing to do and so many people take it for granted and don't you know really consider what marriage is I mean when when you marry someone you take a vow before God and you you know you promise to love and cherish that person but divorce is so common today and to make it easier to do just contributes to the diminishing of the family within our society and you know, takes away how important it is and the value of marriage. And it, I feel like it cheapens it almost by just making it so much easier to 
demolish something that is a vow before God and something that is a promise and... Well, obviously, the um, <laughs> bringing in of the um, bringing of no-fault divorce has annoyed social conservatives, but there's also been a policy just announced that, well, a scrapping of a policy that liberal conservatives aren't happy about, which is the changes <laughs> to the, the um, Gender Recognition Act. Um, what are your views on sort of that kind of area and th- th- that policy? I mean, I didn't, I didn't actually find out about this until last night. But when I did, I was... Ugh, I don't feel like this is appropriate to say, but I was entertained by the backlash I saw within Twitter and social media because I just saw so many ridiculous comments in regards to it and just very, very young people that had clearly not considered why this was happening in the first place and why, you know, just allowing people and especially younger people to make big decisions like this that really do damage the body just I don't know I feel like there's a big lack of education and knowledge within the gender debate and it is I mean I I feel like this is something that well I, I, I mean I mean it's actually funny that you ask this because I remember last year when I had brought up the transgender debate within my school and I'd actually gotten into a lot of trouble for it. So always feel a bit iffy talking about things like this. But, you know, a lot of these people you see online, they shut other people down for talking about these topics and they are important to talk about because they do cause problems for not just young people but people when they're adults. And when we allow children or just younger older teens even to go through these processes and changes it is really difficult and dangerous for them when they go off in their older lives they are adult and a lot of them regret the decisions they made when they were younger because of laws that don't protect them from these bad decisions that they make when they're young when you when you're young you do so many stupid things and you go through so many fads and phases so I think it's really important that we make sure that these laws are strict, especially with transgender debate and, you know, transitioning from whatever age people do, but especially when they are young. Do you worry at all? I mean, you talked about um, getting in trouble when raising uh, this subject at school. Do you worry at all that the way that uh, perhaps social... Um, Conservatives like yourself and, and, and other conservatives present their argument in relation uh, to the the transgender debate may give some people the um, false impression that you are anti transgender or, or or something like that. Does that worry you at all? I mean, no, not too much. I mean, I'd like to avoid looking like a bigot if I can, but if someone is going to think I am purely based on an opinion I give with what in my mind is reason and thoughts, then I, I can't really argue with that if someone wants to think that way about me. I guess that's just going to have to be their opinion, really. And this sort of links to the whole cancel culture thing, that sort of, <laughs> the people getting cancelled for opinion they hold or think, or even off-the-cuff comment they may have said once. Um, what do you feel like... The, 
cancel culture is heading towards? What do you think that it's sort of become in recent years? Um, I, I hate it. I really hate it. I think the idea that someone can pick you up on something from a small phrase or sentence you said years ago and try and ruin your whole career and livelihood from it is just disgusting. I think it's ridiculous as well. I mean, I saw the other week, uh, I can't remember his name, but um, one boy from his Tory society was just absolutely demolished online for being in a Facebook group where they had said controversial and edgy things. And he had not really engaged with it. He'd I think he'd written a comment in it once, but, you know, I'd I'd spoken to him afterwards and he'd never really talked in it that much and he never saw the posts that were posted and looked and made out to be as as if he had written them. So I think a lot of people dogpile others, not really knowing the background or even trying to find out the background and stories behind what they see they just they 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 see things on they automatically get the wrong impression or whatever impression someone else is trying to give of them they don't question it they just automatically to pile on and spew hate really and i just think it's ridiculous uh you talk about um not approving of of, of cancel culture there do you think there are ever instances when uh perhaps maybe not in the way that many people do, but calling out behaviour that is bad online or that is in in, in some way derogatory is useful and should you do, uh, should be done, or do you think that it you shouldn't interfere in uh, in what other people say online? I mean, if someone goes out and says something outrageous for the sake of it, I think yeah, it should be called out online. But I think this whole idea that you know, everyone has to be careful about what they say all the time and walk on eggshells and, you know, they can say one wrong thing and then suddenly everyone pile up. I just, something just doesn't sit well with me with that, the whole cancel culture epidemic we have going on today. One um, controversial issue that people um, has sort of divided the country for good, good going on for years now is Brexit. We're um, just announced, um, Margot just said that we're not going to have an extension of the transition period. So it looks like that's going to end at the end of the year. Um, how do you think that Brexit relates to sort of the divisions in the Conservative Party between social and liberal conservatism? Because obviously there are liberal Brexiteers as well as sort of socially conservative Brexiteers. Um, I mean, that's a hard one. It just reminds you of how much division is in the party today. And. Um, I'm not, I, I couldn't really answer that fully. I mean, a lot of Brexiteers I know, well, especially anyway, are people that hold socially conservative beliefs. So I think they're sort of a similar split off, but there are also more liberal conservatives that do support Brexit and the vote to leave. So I don't know. I just think there's a lot of division in the party today, not just within ours, but the Labour Party too, and so many other. Um, but yeah, how do you think um, people interpret uh, the reasons people supported Brexit? Because 
a lot of people would suggest that people voted for uh, Brexit, perhaps for quite uh, socially conservative reasons or for uh, a, a sense of maintaining uh, Britain's greatness or whatever. Do you think that that's accurate or do you think that the reasons that people voted for Brexit are much deeper and more complex than that? Um, well, that's that's another thing, really. That's That can be quite subjective, too. I mean, people voted for Brexit for a great variety of reasons. A lot of people I know that voted for Brexit, or who were old enough at the time anyway, did it for reasons like uh, mass migration and things like that, that they wanted to cut back. So I know that's more of a socially conservative belief to cut back on immigration, focus on British issues and British people. So, I mean, I can see why that was attractive. Um, I, I couldn't really speak for the other ideas because I, d- I don't really surround myself I mean, not by choice, but with people that, you know, did vote that way for that reason. So I couldn't really say that either. But, you know, there are very, there are very varied reasons why people voted for Brexit. So, yeah. So um, going back to what you were saying about um, divisions within different parties, you mentioned the Labour Party. Obviously, they've got Keir Starmer as their leader and it seems to be increasing in popularity in over recent weeks. Um, how do you feel about the threat that he poses to the Conservative Party at the next election? Um, well, I don't think he poses that much threat, but I think he's doing a much better job than Jeremy Corbyn. And I think it's good that we have a strong opposition and someone that is confident within questioning our government as well. And someone that weak and you know, sort of sits back and is unpopular with the public. I think... I mean, I obviously don't want the Labour Party to win an election anytime soon um, or in the next election. But um, no, I think it's good that the Labour Party does have a more popular leader and someone that is better spoken and that can, well, and has the ability to be quite firm with our government and question things because... I mean, as much as I am a Tory, there are certain things that I think do need to be questioned within the party. And especially, you know, today with how we've handled the coronavirus, I think that is something that needs to be, that people need to take a firm hand with and need to question the government and their response to it. So I think it's good to have Keir Starmer in opposition because he's a lot, stronger than Corbyn was from what I've seen anyway and I think that's good and I think it's healthy for politics today and our party and theirs too. Do you think that um, because of course we've seen we've mentioned Keir Starmer we've seen uh, the Labour leader becoming uh, more popular and Boris Johnson's popularity is not as great as it was even a few months ago do you think that uh, if the Conservatives had a more socially conservative leader that they would be retaining a bit more support or at least the leader would be retaining a bit more support than Boris Johnson is I mean yes I I would like to think so I think I mean personally I've complained a lot about Boris Johnson's and the whole government's response to coronavirus so 
I'd like to think that having a more socially conservative leader would mean that um, restrictions had taken place earlier on and that we had been more careful and stricter with the virus and that it had been handled better. So, I mean, in a perfect world, in my mind, yes, I would much like to have a more socially conservative leader leading the party. Is there any particular individual that you see in the Conservative Party as a future leader, either in the cabinet or maybe a backbencher? See, I, I can't say I can really. I'm, I've seen a lot of people voice supports for um, Pretty Patel at the moment, but that's not really something I agree with either. I see a lot of, you know, she she talks quite strong and how she words things well and firmly and gives the impression that she's going to take a firm hand but I'm still waiting to see proper action I mean I know I think it was yesterday they said that they would be giving strong sentences to people that did go out in these protests and you know made made a scene or acted badly but I think I don't I think the government's been really weak through the beginning of the year and since the election I just there aren't many people I can see in the party that I think would make really, really strong leaders, especially at the moment. But, I mean, I could, I could be wrong. There might be someone I'm missing, but at the moment, no. Um, of course, at uh, the end of the year, well, towards the end of the year, we will be seeing the US presidential election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Um, what are your feelings about um, Donald Trump? And, and what are your feelings about... Um, this year's presidential election in general? I mean, I, I, I actually quite like Trump. I, I won't lie to you. Um, I, I spend a lot of my time, well, I don't this year because of flight cancelling, but I actually spend a lot of my time in California where my mum lives. And most, most of California is run by Democrats, but my mum and her family are... I wouldn't say strong Republicans, but they do support Trump and vote for him. So, I mean, a lot of their reasons stem from, you know, moving against modern progressive politics and this more of an expectation to vote a certain way and voting a completely different way, if that makes sense. Do you think that um, Trump has a good chance of re-election? Or do you think that his responses to the sort of twin crises at the moment have sort of dented it a bit? Um, I think, yeah, I think they have definitely dented his chances. I do think, I, I do think Trump will win. Well, I, I don't want to jinx him. I'm usually prone to jinxing people. But um, no, I'd like to think, I mean, his opposition, Joe Biden, is just so... I don't know. I think to a lot of people, neither of them are ideal. So it's another case of the lesser of two evils for a lot of voters, which is the case for a lot of elections, unfortunately. So I think even if it is just my opinion, I do think Trump is the lesser of two evils within this election. So um, I'd like to think he'd win but he has got a really weak opposition, in my opinion. So I don't think it should be too difficult. But I'd like to, I'd like to see a Trump win for the next four years. 
So we're coming towards the end of the podcast now. It's been great to have you on, Simone. Um, just got one final question. Now, obviously, we've, we've coming just coming out of lockdown now. Shops are starting to reopen and sort of life's getting back to normal. What one thing that have you, have you missed most from sort of the life before <laughs> during this lockdown and that you're looking forward to getting back to? Um, hmm. Shopping, I think, definitely. I mean... I've watched the news over the past week or so and the way that things have changed is just, I'm, I'm really baffled by it. I mean, I saw one where you can't try on the clothes when you buy them, you have to take them home and then if you want to return them, you can return them, but then they have to keep them in storage for two weeks. I just think the whole thing's just gotten so wild and out of hand but I, I mean I would like to go shopping with my friends again. It would be nice to bond with them and know see clothes again well i'm sure that a lot of people will probably agree with you and they're looking forward (laughs) to you know returning to the shops now that they're open so thanks very much for being on the podcast today and thanks to everyone for listening if you'd like to get in touch with us you can find us on twitter at debated podcast we're on facebook you can email us at the debated podcast at gmail.com you can listen to us on spotify itunes youtube probably other places I'm forgetting about now, but you know, a wide range of places. I'm sure you listen to us on one of them now. Um, so thank you everyone for listening and hope you listen to the next one.